We're going to be learning in Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi, the third piece in Hochus Mechira. This is Perak Chav Beis Halacha Yud Zayin. And this is a short but very fundamental piece. And interestingly, this piece is primarily explaining a view of Tosfos, which is mentioned by the Rambam. But it's not mainly on the Rambam. The issue that Tosfos is commenting on is Beficha Zut Tzedakah. Ordinarily, in order to acquire something, there needs to be a Kenyan, an act which transfers the ownership. But the exceptions are tzedakah and hektish, giving things to the poor or to the Beisam Mikdash, where even the pledge, even the words alone transfer ownership. So Rab Chaim is going to try to explain what that means. And we'll see after that a number of other achronim, like the Machne Ephraim, have the same discussion. Now, in addition, Rab Chaim touches on another very fundamental issue, which is whether a loan, a debt, is an item which is sellable under halacha and what the mechanism for doing so is. The case that the Rambam is discussing is if someone pledges to give to tzedakah an object which is low bala olam. It's not in the world right now, but it's going to come. So let's say the fruits of a tree which are going to grow in the future if someone pledges those to tzedakah. So the Rambam records a debate between the Gaonim and the other view which he follows whether the transfer of tzedakah is effective even for an object which is not yet in the world. A regular kinyan cannot be made on a dover shaloba olam, but there's a debate whether tzedakah is different. So the Rambam holds that it is, and tzedakah can be transferred even for something which is going to come in the future. Then he writes, Yesh ge'onim shecholkim al davar zev, ve'omrim she'ein ha'aniim zochin elabidvarim shehediot konebahen. There are ge'onim who disagree with this view, and they hold that tzedakah, the poor, do not acquire only things that a regular person would acquire. So that means something which is already in the world. So even the poor cannot acquire something which is not yet in the world under the rules of tzedakah. So the source for this is the view of the riff in Babakama Lamed Vavamid Beis at the beginning of the fourth chapter. The Gemara there tells a story that one guy hit another guy, so he owed him a fine, and the fine came out to half of a zuz. So so the one who was damaged said, this is so little money that I don't even want it. Give it to Tzedakah instead. Then he changed his mind and he says, I do want it. I want to be able to use it for myself. So Rav Yosef ruled that he couldn't get his half a coin in fine back because it already became Tzedakah. Now there were no poor people who were present there. So how did the poor acquire this? Rav Yosef explains that we are the metaphorical hands of the poor. So Rav Yosef was a tzedakah collector, so he considered himself an extension of the poor, and he had already acquired this half of a coin on behalf of the poor, so it was already tzedakah, and the person could not get it back. So Tosos and the Rif have a question on Rav Yosef's logic, why did he need this idea of Anan Yadaniim that he is the metaphorical extension of the poor? There seems to be a simpler reason why this guy could not take his coin back. Based on the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Daf Vav, where the Gemara interprets the word Beficha, the Torah says, in your mouth to refer to Tzedakah, meaning the transfer of Tzedakah occurs 
even through a pledge with words alone, even though there is no act of a Kenyan that's accompanying it. So in the parentheses, Rab Chaim explains how the Gemara is getting this because the verse that it's interpreting is talking about making an animal into a carbon. So there are two ways to do that. One is a neder, where the person does not designate a specific animal, but they say, I am obligated to bring an animal as a carbon, and then they'll choose the animal later. And the other way to do that is an edava, where a person designates a specific animal to become a carbon, and that animal is immediately sanctified into a carbon. So the person themselves is not obligated to bring the carbon, but the animal immediately becomes a carbon, and now, of course, they have to bring that. So those two models apply also to tzedakah. A person can obligate themselves to bring tzedakah, and then they'll select the money that they're going to use for that later, or they could immediately select this money to become tzedakah right away, and the transfer of ownership to tzedakah happens immediately immediately as soon as they say it, even before they do any action. So that's Tosos and the Rift's question that once we see from the Gemara that just pledging to give this money to Tzedakah immediately makes it into Tzedakah and transfers ownership. So why did Rav Yosef say the reason this coin became Tzedakah is because of Yad Aniyim Anan, that he was acquiring it on behalf of the poor? Why not just say simply that as soon as the money was pledged to Tzedakah, it immediately transferred and became tzedakah money. So Tosos and the Rif answer that the case in the Gemara Rosh Hashanah is only talking about where there was a coin in front of a person and they said this coin is going to be tzedakah. So immediately that coin is transferred to the poor. But in the story in Babakama, the coin was not in front of the person. He did not own this coin. It was owed to him. So he was going to get the coin in the future because of the fine that was owed to him. But right now he did not own own the coin. So that's why he was unable to make this coin tzedakah right now. Either because for him it was a davar shalobala olam, he did not own it yet, it was going to come to him in the future, or it was eno bershuso, it was not in his domain, he did not take ownership of it yet, so he could not transfer the ownership of it to the poor. So one of those two issues made it that in this case his pledge to give it to tzedakah was not binding, it did not immediately transfer ownership to the poor, except for the other logic that Rabbi Yosef had acquired it on behalf of the poor. So that's the way Tosas and the Rif explain this, and that is the view that a person cannot transfer tzedakah money to the poor if it's a davar shalobala olam, they don't own it yet. So that's the view that the Rambam attributes to the Gaonim. Now, Rab Chaim asks a question on the approach of Tosos and the Rif, which is even though this person didn't own the coin yet because it hadn't been paid to him, but he did have a debt that he was owed this coin. So why couldn't he transfer that debt to the poor. So even though he couldn't transfer the actual coin to the poor, because as Tosos and the Rift said, he didn't own it yet, for him it was like a davar shalobala olam, but why couldn't he transfer what he did own, which was the debt that was owed to him? And now Rab Chaim goes on a little tangent to prove that even debts can be transferred in ownership. There is a debate in the Rishonim whether a person can sell a milvet alone which is owed 
to be repaid to them. So there is one view that a person could sell it, either agav karka, if someone sells someone else land, so they can include in that all sorts of other objects that are tangible or even intangible through the sale of the land that the buyer acquires all of that. So a person could include a milve when they sell someone else land, or with chalipin, which is a symbolic kinyan that a person lifts something to show that they're acquiring things. So that's also a broader Kenyan and it can acquire a milve. So there is one view that a person could sell a loan that they have to someone else through one of these forms of Kenyan and the other person will own it. So that's clear that a milve is a real object which can be sold and transferred ownership. But even the other view which disagrees and holds that you cannot sell a milve, so Rab Chaim has an important conceptual understanding and he says it's not that they fundamentally hold that a milve is not an object which can be transferred ownership. They also agree that a milve is a real thing which can be bought and sold. They they just hold that there is no technical way to sell it because it can't be held, it can't be dragged, it can't be lifted. There is no physical Kenyan that can be done to a loan, so therefore it cannot be sold because it can't be handled. But that view also agrees that fundamentally a loan is an object which can be transferred ownership. So according to Rab Chaim, everyone agrees that a milva is something which could be sold. There's just a debate as to whether there is a technical way to do a Kenyan and transfer the ownership. So if so, says Rab Chaim, we now have a question on the approach of the Rif and Tosfos. In this case in the Gemara, even though the person could not transfer ownership of the coin to tzedakah, but they were owed money, there was a debt that they had, so why couldn't they transfer that to the poor? And there's a simple mechanism for accomplishing the transfer, which is b'fichazu tzedakah. The pledge would itself transfer the debt into the ownership of tzedakah. So even the view that holds that ordinarily there is no way to acquire or transfer ownership of a debt to someone else, that's only when a Kenyan is needed. But when it comes to tzedakah, that's one of the exceptions where no Kenyan is needed. The words, the pledge alone transfer ownership. So everyone would agree that a debt could be transferred over to tzedakah. So again, why did Rabbi Yosef need to say that he acquired the tzedakah on behalf of the poor? Why not just say the simpler thing that since this person pledged to give their debt to the poor, immediately that debt itself was transferred to tzedakah, and now the person has no way to take it back. So that's Rab Chaim's question on this point. Now he continues with the tangent to prove that a debt, a chov, is something that could be transferred ownership. And his proof is from acquiring a star. So let's say someone has a debt which is written in a document. It says that so-and-so owes them money. So there is a debate in the Rishonim whether that star and the debt that's recorded in the document can be sold on a Torah level or not. So according to the view that it could be sold, Mida Oraisa, so Rab Chaim says there is no conceptual difference between a Milva Alpeh and a Milva Bishtar, whether the debt is owed orally or it was written in a document. There's no fundamental conceptual distinction between those two types of loans. So the fact that we see that a debt that's in a star could be sold to someone else indicates that all debts, even an oral debt, could still be sold on a Torah level, except again, there is a technical difficulty with selling a debt that has no proof, because how do you sell this debt? 
So that's why only a chov that's written down in a document can be sold on a Torah level, but fundamentally, Every milve, every debt could be sold, even on a Torah level. It just needs to have a way to do so. So if it's written into a document and the document is transferred over to someone else, so that transfers the whole debt with it. But Rab Chaim continues and he says, even according to the other side, that a debt in a shtar cannot be sold on a Torah level. So even that does not go against this theory because the Rambam in Hilch's Mechira Vav Yudbeis phrases this, Kinyan hashtaros bederach hazos midivrei sofrim. The sale of a shtar only works according to the rabbis. Aval min ha-Torah ein harayos niknos. But on a Torah level, proof Evidence cannot be sold. Only the object itself could be sold. So the Rambam explains the reason why a shtar cannot be sold according to Torah law is because evidence of something cannot be sold according to the Torah, only an object itself. So the Rambam is saying there's nothing fundamentally wrong with selling the milve, the debt. The only issue is that there is no real way to accomplish the sale because a star is not considered a valid object of sale. It's just a proof of evidence that someone owes money, but it itself cannot transfer ownership. So let's say someone wants to acquire an animal or a vessel. They can lift it up. They can pull it. Whatever the acquisition is, they can do a Kenyan on the object itself. As opposed to a milve, which is intangible, there is no way to acquire the actual debt. The only thing they can acquire is the document which proves the debt. So according to the first view, that is valid enough and that creates a transfer of ownership according to the Torah. The Rambam says that's not enough to create a Torah Kenyan. That's only Midrabana and they added that in. But according to the Torah, you can only make a Kenyan on something if you acquire the actual object, not the evidence that leads to the object. So since a milva is an intangible object, it cannot be acquired on under Torah law in any way, according to the Rambam. But again, this proves Rab Chaim's overall thesis that a milve is an object which could be transferred to someone else. So there's nothing intrinsically wrong with transferring ownership of a milve, a debt, to someone else. The only problem is the technicalities of how to accomplish this Kenyan when the milva itself cannot be handled physically by someone. And the same point is made by the Rambam earlier in this chapter, Halacha Tes, that since a loan is intended for the person to go spend and then they'll repay the money, so a person is not able to transfer ownership of that loan to someone else because it's not in the world presently. Meaning the borrower takes the money and then spends it and then they return different money. So the loan itself is not in the world. There's just a debt that has to be repaid so a person cannot transfer ownership of a milva. But if it was written in a document, so then So then he is able to transfer ownership of the loan because he could transfer the document to someone else. And when that person takes the document, so there is an object for them 
them to acquire, and through that they acquire the whole loan. So the Rambam differentiates that an oral loan cannot be transferred ownership, but if it's written in a document, then it could be transferred through using the document. And again, the Rambam holds that that transfer is only Midra Banan, it's not under Torah law. But this is the view that Rab Chaim referenced earlier, that even though a milvet cannot be sold if it's oral, but if it's written in a document, so then there is an object that could affect the sale, the Kenyan, so then the milvet could transfer ownership. So this is exactly Rab Chaim's point, that there is no inherent issue with transferring ownership of a chov. A debt is like anything else and it can be acquired, it can be sold. The only problem is technical. And according to the Rambam, there is no other way to do a Kenyan. So the other ideas that the Rishonim have of Chalipin or Agav Karka, the Rambam does not hold of that. So the only way to technically create a Kenyan which will transfer the chov is only if it's written down in a star, and then there is an object which can be transferred and with it the milva will also be transferred. But obviously, if the loan itself was not something whose ownership could be transferred, then it wouldn't matter whether it was written down in a document, because even so, it could not be sold. Taking something which is inherently unsellable and writing it down in a document is not going to change the fact that this thing cannot be sold. So this is a long tangent with a lot of interesting ideas about how to sell a loan and what the mechanisms of selling a star that has a loan written in it are. But this whole tangent proves Rab Chaim's basic point that the only problem with selling a loan is the technicality of creating a Kenyan, but inherently the chov itself is a fully sellable and transferable item. So if so, we're back to the question on this Gemara. Why does the riff say that the person was not able to transfer ownership because he did not have the coin? Why couldn't he transfer the chov which was owed to him? And here there are no technical problems because simply the pledge is enough to transfer it to tzedakah. So to answer this, Rab Chaim wants to understand what is the meaning of this whole halacha, the ficha tzedakah, that pledging tzedakah is enough to transfer ownership. And he has two options how to formulate this halacha. Either it means, as we've been assuming until now, that when it comes to tzedakah, there is no need for a kinyan. The entire transfer of ownership is affected through the pledge orally alone. So in this way, tzedakah is different than regular objects, which require a kinyan. The financial transfer of the object is not complete until there's a kinyan. But when it comes to tzedakah, there is no need for a kinyan. And the object or the money is fully transferred financially through the pledge when the person says it alone. There is no need for any follow-up of an action or a kinyan in order to create the transfer. That's option. Option one. The second option is that tzedakah is no different from anything else. There needs to be a regular Kenyan. The money needs to change ownership in order to be financially transferred. And until then, the actual money does not belong to the poor on a financial level. But there is an additional concept when it comes to tzedakah that once someone pledges tzedakah, they cannot take it back, so they must fulfill their obligation. But again, that is not 
not a financial transfer. It's a halacha, it's a mitzvah that one cannot renege on tzedakah. They must fulfill their pledge of tzedakah, but the financial transfer only happens through a kinyan like in any other area. So the difference between tzedakah and other things is that if someone just makes a pledge to give something to a regular person, that they could renege on until the kinyan is made. But when it comes to tzedakah, they cannot change their mind, they cannot take it back once they make the pledge, even before the Kenyan is made. But in order to create a financial transfer, there does need to be a Kenyan like anything else. So now Rab Chaim continues and he says that the difference between these two formulations is going to be if the original tzedakah was exchanged or bought for something else. So now there's a replacement for that original object or money which was pledged to tzedakah. So do the poor own that replacement as well, the same as they owned the original object? So this is going to depend on what sort of ownership they had in the original object. If they fully owned it financially, so it was totally there, so then of course the replacement of it also belongs to them. It's like anyone that owns something, the replacement of that object continues to belong to them as well in place of the original object. So the poor would own not only the object which was pledged to tzedakah, but also the replacement of it or the value of it or anything that's in its stead. But if the poor do not actually own the object, it's just considered tzedakah. So this object is designated as tzedakah and it must be given to the poor on a financial level, but right now it's still owned by the original person. It has not transferred ownership yet, even though that person must give this object to tzedakah. But then if the object is replaced, so the new item or the exchange of the original item is no longer tzedakah. The obligation of tzedakah only belonged to the original item which the person had pledged. But now that it was exchanged, there's a replacement for that original item. So the new objects or the new money do not need to be given to tzedakah because they belong to whoever owned the original object and the poor did not own it, even though it was tzedakah, but the person who pledged it still owned it financially. So they also maintain ownership of the replacement for that original object. So according to Rab Chaim, if we take the second formulation that means that there is a pledge which is existing on this object, that it must be given to tzedakah, but the poor do not own it yet. So what follows from this strange situation is that this item is tzedakah, but it still belongs to the person who pledged it. And if the item is replaced, then it fully belongs to the person who owns it and they don't even need to give it to tzedakah. So now building on that, back to the case in the Gemara Babakama where a person pledged the debt that was owed to them to tzedakah. So according to this formulation, that's not going to work. Even though the debt itself belongs to tzedakah, but once the money is paid, so that's a replacement for the debt and the replacement does not become tzedakah. So even though it is true, as Rab Chaim spent a long time proving that a person could transfer the debt itself to tzedakah and that is going to work, but practically that's not going to affect anything because once the money is paid, that's considered a replacement for the original debt. And once the 
original item is replaced, so then the original owner owns it because the poor do not own it financially. So that's why in that story, if not that Rabbi Yosef had acquired the tzedakah for the poor, the person could have taken it back even though they did pledge their debt to tzedakah. But once the money was paid, it would have reverted back to their ownership. So now, according to this analysis, we could explain what Tosfos and the Rif are saying. If they follow this approach to Beficha Zutzidaka, that it does not mean that the actual money transfers ownership financially. It just means that the money is designated as tzedakah and must be given to the poor. So that explains their whole analysis of the story in Babakama. They're not asking why couldn't the person pledge their debt and transfer it to the poor, because that's obvious that it wouldn't work because the money paid would be a replacement for the original item which was given to the poor, which was the debt itself. And again, according to Rab Chaim's analysis, the person would own the replacement, which is the money, so the poor would not get anything. Now, even though it's true that a person could sell a debt that they own, so that does work, but that's because when they sell it, they're selling the rights to that entire loan. So the person who now buys it owns the rights to the loan and they can collect whatever money is owed as opposed to tzedakah which is not a full transfer of financial rights it's just a mitzvah an obligation that a person has to give the money they pledged to tzedakah so that does not transfer over to the replacement to the second item which in this case is the money that pays for the debt so that's why tosos and the riff are not bothered why the person couldn't transfer their loan the only question is why couldn't he transfer the actual money of the loan. So the answer is that is a davar shlobala olam. He didn't get the money yet. And they hold that even when it comes to tzedakah, a davar shlobala olam cannot be transferred to the poor. So that is how Tosos and the Rif make sense of this story in the Gemara. And that's where they get this view that even for tzedakah, davar shlobala olam cannot be transferred. So that is Rab Chaim's piece, mainly to explain the view of Tosos and the Rif, which the Rambam alludes to, but again, he disagrees with. Now, the two main points that Rab Chaim touches on in this piece are, first of all, what the meaning of Beficha Zutzedaka means. Does it refer to an actual transfer of the financial ownership of the tzedakah money, which is accomplished by the pledge alone, unlike other objects? Or alternatively, Rab Chaim believes that according to Tosfos, the way this works is that tzedakah needs to be acquired like anything else, but the pledge alone creates an obligation that this item is considered tzedakah and must be given to the poor. So that's one issue that he raises. And then Rab Chaim also goes on a tangent and he proves from a few different sources, but a few statements in the Rambam that a loan or a debt is an item that's sellable under halacha. There just needs to be a technical way of accomplishing it. And to this, he quotes the language of the Rambam that a document, a star, cannot be sold under Torah law because rayos, proof, are not sold, only the object itself. So that shows that the issue with selling a document that has a loan in it is a technical one, but not a fundamental issue that loans cannot be sold under halacha. Now, Rab Chaim is raising a lot of important issues, so there's a good amount of discussion on these various points. And in the back of the Or Olam edition, they quote a good number of sources about these points. So in terms of the point Rab Chaim makes that according to the Rambam, the only problem with selling a loan that's in a star is that under Torah law, you cannot sell a raya proof. You have to sell the object itself. 
So Rab Chaim's main student, Rab Baruch Ber, in the Birka Shmuel on Baba Basar Simon Nun Hay, quotes having heard this idea from Rab Chaim, but he points out that Tosvos and Baba Basar Ayin Vavamidbeis does disagree with this, and he holds that there is a more fundamental problem with selling the loan in the star because the person doesn't have ownership of the loan itself. It's going to result in their being able to collect money, but it itself is not something that they own, so that can't be sold. So. Tosos and Baba Basra does have the other side of this, that the loan itself is not something that's sellable because it's not a real item. Now, they quote also a comment from Reb Mordechai Mun that he points out that this issue of what Tosvos holds seems to be a debate between the Ktsos and the Nesivis in Simon Samech Vav, Sifkan Aleph, and Sifkan Beis. They both discuss the Tosvos, and the Ktsos actually seems to read him in line with Rab Chaim's idea that fundamentally a debt could be sold. There's just problems with technically creating the Kenyan. So even though Tosvos writes that a debt in a star cannot be sanctified to hectish because it's like land that the person doesn't own. So Toso seems to be saying that the issue is that they don't own it. But according to the Tsos, it really sounds like it's a technical issue. So fundamentally, the loan could be sold, but there's a technical problem with creating the Kenyan. So the rabbis stepped in and they felt that it was necessary to be able to sell a loan. So they instituted that such a sale would work, but it was not necessary for society to be be able to sanctify a loan to the Beis HaMikdash, so they did not institute it in that case. Now, continuing with this, the Ktsos himself raises the issue of if someone pledges his loan in a star to Tzedakah, and the Ktsos says that based on the way he understands this, that should certainly work because there is no technical problem with transferring the loan to the poor. And then he himself touches a little bit on the story in Babakama with Rav Yosef that Rav Chaim analyzes, but he takes it in a different direction. So he concludes, unlike Rab Chaim, that according to this view, pledging the loan that's in a star should transfer to the poor through the pledge of tzedakah. And Rab Chaim gets out of that because he redefines what the pledge of tzedakah means. Now, the Nesivas disagrees with the Tzos' reading of this Tosvos, and he has a more moderate reading of Tosvos, that Tosvos holds you cannot sell the star itself, the way Rabbi Baruch Ber understood it, because the person does not own the loan, but there is still a value to the star because it's a value to the love. So the borrower would certainly want to acquire this piece of paper because he could get out of paying the loan. So let's say someone could buy back their mortgage, they would certainly do so because then they wouldn't have to pay the mortgage. So it has financial value to them. So the borrower would want to buy this star in order to get rid of it. So there is a value value to the star. So it's not the way the Tzos and Rab Chaim are saying it, that a person owns the debt and they're able to transfer that and sell that item. But according to the Nesivas, they're able to sell the value of that debt, which does have value to the love in order to be able to destroy it. Now, the Tzos also discusses the other point that Rab Chaim makes in this piece, which is that when we say that the pledge to tzedakah transfers ownership, so that might not be a financial ownership,
relationship, it might be an obligation to give tzedakah. So Rav Shach in Naviezri Hilchus Nachlos Gimel Dalid, so he quotes that the Ktsos in Simen Reish Tzadi Sifkat and Gimel has a long discussion about some of the laws of transferring and giving tzedakah, and he touches on this issue that Rab Chaim raises. And he quotes that Rab Kiva Eger in his Chuvis in Simen Kuf Mem Vav also attributes this issue to a debate between the Rishonim. And Rav Gifter in his marginal comments on this piece, so he also references that the Machne Ephraim in Hilchus Tzedakah Simen Beis also raises the same question as Rab Chaim, what the meaning of this halacha, of the pledge of tzedakah is. And the way the Machne Ephraim formulates it is that the difference would be in a case where someone pledges tzedakah and then they die. Do the heirs have to fulfill that pledge? So if it was a full financial transfer, then they do. But if it was just a pledge, then the heirs would not need to. Now, one of Rab Chaim's early students, Rab Shimon Shkup, who was then a Rosh Shiva in Tells and then later in his own yeshiva, even Grodno. So in his Shiurim that are published on Baba Kamasim in Hay, so he discusses this and he comes to the same conclusion as the Machna Ephraim, but he quotes that it's a debate between the Beis Yosef and the Ramah. And the Ktsos also quotes this, but he explains it differently. In the Chuvis Ramah, he quotes that the Beis Yosef holds that the heirs do have to fulfill the Tzedakah pledge and he disagrees with him. So Rab Shimon Shkup explains, as the Machna Ephraim said, that this is the issue Rab Chaim raising. Is the tzedakah pledge a full financial transfer? That's what the Beis Yosef holds. So that's why the heirs have to pay. Or is it just a pledge that the object becomes tzedakah and the father is obligated to give it, but if he dies, the heirs do not need to fulfill that obligation. So the Ramah holds the way Rab Chaim explains the view of Tosvos and the Rif, that the pledge of tzedakah is not a financial transfer. It creates an obligation to give this object to tzedakah. So basically, there are a number of other achronim, the Machne Ephraim and the Ktsos and Reb Kiva Eger and Reb Shimon Shkup, who are all discussing this same issue of Reb Chaim as well.